So yeah, I, I think there's plenty to talk about this week. Like everything else in 2019, everything is super meme worthy and awful. So many memes. Are you going to apologize to Beto for uh, for doubting his fundraising prowess? <laughs> he he put off announcing like who contributed to the campaign for like three days. He did it in a real sketch way. Mm-hmm. People are suspecting that it's like unintentional trolling where he's like oh raised a bunch of money and people were like that doesn't sound right you know why aren't you releasing these details and it's like he's drawing it out he's a genius no that's that's dumb as hell i think what happened was (laughs) he ended up getting a bunch of last minute contributions from the from the table lobby big table um who know that the more tables he jumps on the more business they're gonna have he he signed a table stability endorsement deal yeah yeah exactly (laughs) you know maybe it's with the carpenters union though that might be cool well that's what i'm saying (laughs) yeah big table like i said (laughs) (laughs) yeah the real the real power in this country (laughs) i don't know i guess it's supposed to be endearing every place he goes he jumps up on a table and like stands on the table and stuff but like dude you're not emma goldman taking over a bar or something like you're a fairly center (laughs) democrat like aren't all the videos of him table encounter standing who's all excited to be here (laughs) right not like and not like we need to do something he's just like well isn't this fun that's his that's his punk rock i love uh, heritage you know yeah it's like he's trying to be in uh coyote ugly Right, yeah. (laughs) The weirdest Coyote Ugly remake ever. You've got a dude who looks like Jonathan Brisby from the Rats of Nim, like, trying to rally, you know, a a whole bunch of, like, middle-aged white people. If you see the pictures, easily, like, the 40 and up crowd. D, what do you think about Beto? I'm not gonna lie, I have nobody, like, I have no horse in this race so far that isn't, like, kinda Elizabeth Warren. Beto is, uh, I got nothing. He's kind of playing the same thing that that Biden has, right? That like there's no policy there to really sink your teeth in, but they do have the name recognition. They've got the the idea of this being a a functional and exciting candidate. Yeah, I mean, he's not the worst candidate. I mean, the biggest complaint against him is like, well, it seems like he's really kind of milk toast and he loves campaigning, but he isn't really like into the nitty gritty of like policy wonkery. And yeah. it's like, man, imagine if the candidates on the right, you know, had issues as severe as that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm not like super enthused about Beto, but also like this shit is almost two years away. So I'm not going to really stress if he doesn't like have his policy platform nailed down yet because that was Hillary's jam, right? And, like, nobody gave a shit. (laughs) Well, isn't that the problem, though? I mean, we're we're trying to get people excited about candidates before they even have a policy platform. It it really is just, like, this identity is who I'd rather have in the office, and we'll figure out, like, what they stand for later. That's not great. You know, Beto has the luxury of not being a Joe Biden that has like 40 years of policy baggage. And so he really can skate by 
and not really have to put his foot down on anything. Right? Was that was that a pun on him being a, a big skateboard <laughs> skateboard right. guy? He could just pop an ollie on policy <laughs> and just be like, you know wait, what? Wait, uh, it's I, not my jam. I'm not caught up. Are we saying he's a skater? That's what he is, oh, yeah. man. He still skates. Yeah, he's like, he skates on Instagram Live and shit, and like talks about loving his campaigning. Punk rock dude who like in pulls out a skateboard in front of a Whataburger <laughs> and then like skates away to show how cool he is. Vito, just the guy that everybody in Pennywise thinks they're gonna become. <laughs> yeah, he's he's young windsurfing John Kerry. Yeah, I, I think that's why uh, we're gonna go in hard on on Yang Gang now. No way, dude. Buttigieg boys all the way. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's start the show. Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from... Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined by my co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, you say that you're not 100% for the hashtag Yang Gang? I'm not in the Yang Gang. I'm in the, the Buddha Judge Sledge. No, I don't know. It doesn't have a, it <laughs> that's, doesn't have that's a better than Yeah, better, better than anything I've heard so yeah. far. Uh, coming at us from st louis missouri our senior st louis correspondent and it's been a little while d black rabbit d it's so good to have you back with us hey guys hey it's currently not raining so it's that's a good thing yeah and maybe that's uh maybe that's where we want to start off the great plains have been absolutely inundated lately with disasters that maybe are not getting covered by your uh, mainstream media outlets. Brendan, you can speak to this a little bit, right? Uh, Nebraska is, as far as I can tell from the pictures, 100% underwater. It's pretty messed up out there in a lot of places. Um, Kind of uh, a lot of smaller towns in eastern Nebraska got hit pretty hard. In Omaha, it never really gets that bad, uh, or it hasn't yet, at least. So it's easy to kind of forget, but then you see these pictures and stuff. There was a a town a little bit to the west of Omaha, only about like a 40-minute drive or so, called Fremont, and it's a pretty big-sized town, and it was completely cut off from the outside world, only accessible by boat or helicopter for like three days, Right, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah, our sometimes co-host Nick Glessman was posting a bunch of photos uh, showing like Dodge Street west of something like 250th Street in Omaha. And you see the highway dipping in and out of water, just standing water. All right. Uh, Hold on, guys. I got to drop out for a second. Sorry. Should we pause? Do we keep going? We could probably keep talking. So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty nuts. And uh, they sent Mike Pence. So... Uh, problem solved. Mike Pence came. He looked at it. <laughs> sure. Literally did a photo op with Governor of Nebraska Pete Ricketts, where they loaded paper towels into a truck. Paper. These dudes love paper towels. What is it with this fucking administration and paper towels? Were I they don't know. were they throwing them spiral style? <laughs> no, I mean they were just carrying them from like a pallet 
to the back of a truck, basically. Did they think that paper towels were what you need to stop a giant flood? Because my understanding is that the flooding in Nebraska has to do with uh, massive, unprecedented rainfall uh, in a season, it, it unseasonably, in a season that you wouldn't expect it, falling onto topsoil that's frozen about 15 inches down, so it can't absorb anything. If you would have laid down your protective paper towel layer with the triple absorbent power of brawny, <laughs> maybe this could have been prevented. Did you ever think of that one? Hmm? I, I did not think of that. Yeah, no. Uh, how's that working, by the way? <laughs> so, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's like, I can't be super mad at Mike Pence for doing a thing that people do, which is like when you're a politician, you go to the disaster area and you go like, wow, this really sucks, guys. Like, good, good job, firefighters and stuff. I think you're right. That's that's exactly what the vice president always is supposed to do. Uh, the proxy for the well, president. I think that's actually what the president is supposed to do. But in this instance, they thought it would be really awkward if Trump, like, you remember when the fires happened in California? Sure. And he was, like, literally standing in front of people's, like, ruined homes saying, like, oh, it's terrible that uh, this town of pleasure got ruined. And they're like, the town is named Paradise, sir. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, that's what I said. So, yeah, it's just uh, crazy. No collusion. Uh, I won the popular vote. And, you know, and you're like, what is happening? The problem is, like, all of these people have themselves to blame because, like, the EPA has been doing something with water. He he doesn't know. He has no Right, idea. exactly. And this is, like, at a time when the Department of the Interior is, like, you know, on their third administrator because the last two have resigned in, you know, humongous bribery and corruption scandals. and Oh, sure. And, and the entire administrative state has been completely gutted at right. this point. They've gotten rid of so many of these bureaucrats who, you know, like your Leslie Nope types who don't actually care who's president, just they want to, like, make sure that people don't die in floods or, or right. wildfires or whatever. Yeah, those people are all gone Well, and now. here's one of the things, right, is that Infrastructure Week is a joke, but the reason that it's a joke is because Trump hasn't done shit about it, and everybody knows on both sides that it's a huge fucking issue, and it's an easy political win to just say, hey, let's throw some money at this, you know, stimulate the economy, fix some stuff up. Sure. I'm looking at a headline in the Omaha World Herald right now, and it says, The collapse of the Spencer Dam in Nebraska raises questions about what went wrong with this 92-year-old structure. <laughs> questions are being raised. Perhaps a 100-year-old freaking dam isn't in that great of shape. Maybe we could have looked into this uh, 10, maybe 50 years ago. Oh, I thought you were going to say days. Uh, oh, yeah. No, that's a good, <laughs> that's a good point, too. <laughs> Just today, the Texas legislature passed. It was something like a $1.2 billion uh, like flood management system. That's their response to Hurricane Harvey, which happened... Jesus, like two years ago. It's pretty ironic that at the same time that all these Republicans are attacking the concept of the Green New Deal, which would do exactly that, right? Just say like, hey, we got these old ass right. dams. They're not even doing anything. Let's replace them with new dams that can generate 
green energy through hydroelectric power and all this stuff. Yeah, or maybe get rid of some of these dams and make the rivers run a little bit better like they were supposed to and didn't create all these floodplains. Uh, yeah, massive infrastructure investments that, no, they would rather focus on this completely made up story about how uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez wants to kill all the cows and like make it illegal to eat a hamburger. Do you know what kills all the cows? Historical flooding. <laughs> right. Like, that, that kills the cows. Like maybe this can make it so that the, the cows that don't get murdered by PETA can, you know, not drown in a flood. You know, it's a it's a win-win. It's a compromise. I don't do this very often on the show, but I'm going to go like super like eco-socialist geek here. One of the things you can do to address flooding problems is smarter grazing techniques. Right. Uh, it turns out that the Great Plains evolved over like a million years to have a mm, bunch trigger, of like... Word. Yeah, okay. <laughs> to, <laughs> to have a bunch of herds of grazers going across them and they eat the grass uh, down to a certain level and they poop on it and then they move on and the grass grows deeper roots and you end up building up this topsoil that's much more capable of handling historic rainfall. Uh, we have completely gotten rid of them. We've turned it all into this horrible monoculture, uh, you know, fertilizer runoff. Everything is corn and soybeans. And we're depleting maybe the one thing that made our country special, which is the like 14 foot deep topsoil that we had when we got when we uh, speaking broadly as a white person got here. Uh, we're just going to deplete all of that. And meanwhile, we're going to build in all of these floodplains that can no longer absorb this water. And so everybody gets flooded out of their houses. So we end up just spending like, I don't know, a billion dollars or something. Whatever it is, it's insufficient to take care of, of the human needs that we've created. And, you know, and now you have uh, like Ben Sass was giving an interview with Fox the other day. Uh, and of course, talking about the flooding and all that. And the Fox host brought up, what about climate change? You know, what do you say to people who say that this is an example of climate change? On Fox, they were bringing this up? Yeah. And so, of course, Ben Sass says, now's not the time. You know, people's homes are flooded. <laughs> How dare you try to bring politics into this issue? You know, now's not the time to talk about climate change. That political debate can happen later. You know, what we need to do now is give President Trump more emergency powers so that he can just emergency all these emergencies yeah. and everything will work itself out. Ben Sass is doing the gun violence argument. Now is not the time. Don't politicize this thing. For climate change disasters. It's thoughts and prayers. Get ready for this to happen literally 10 times a year for the next, uh, I mean, however long the human race survives, <laughs> basically. <laughs> because, yeah, they're already, now's not the time to politicize this tragedy, horrifying natural disasters that are examples of climate change and land mismanagement. But we're not alone. Uh, we're sending the sludge down your way. Oh, sure. And Texas has its own self-inflicted ecological disasters to deal with. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've, I've talked before about uh, Houston and the problem with really, truly bizarre, complete lack of zoning in Houston. Uh, there's no actual 
plan for how things get laid out. So, for it's instance, called building freedom. Why yeah. do you hate freedom? <laughs> it absolutely is a freedom thing. It's, it's uh, you know, we're living in a libertarian paradise where a petroleum plant in Houston catches on fire and burns for several days, and after a couple of days, the Department of Environmental Quality says like maybe the people in this neighborhood need to like close their windows because it turns out there's just a shitload of benzene floating around in the atmosphere. Benzene is basically the thing that gives every person who's ever worked on an oil field uh, leukemia and like horrible throat cancers and stuff. This plant was upwind of various elementary schools, neighborhoods where children lived, and it, it took them a couple of days to say, like, maybe you guys just need to, like, go inside and not come out for a little while. You would think that people wouldn't need to necessarily wait for that to happen, but in the absence of some sort of authority figure, like, telling you the seriousness of what's going on, you just think, like, well, they're not saying anything, so it, it must be fine, right? Like, if it was bad, they would be saying something. Well, and you still have to go to work. Right. People aren't going to get off work. People aren't going to be able to keep their kids out of school if there's not an official announcement from the government that says, we're just telling everyone to stay inside, you know? You're still going to get penalized by your boss if you're like, hey, boss, like... I think that I'm going to get leukemia if I drive to work today. And he's going to be like, no, well, uh, you know, clock's running. So yeah. the Walmart people are still shopping there. So, you know, what are you going to do? Absolutely. But where do they think the air inside the house comes from? Like people, I guess maybe in Texas, people do live in like hermetically sealed bunkers <laughs> with like bioterrorism air filters that they bought from the Fox News or something. But in most places, that's not the case. The air that you breathe is comes from the outside of your house. Yeah, and the announcement that finally came out, like, yesterday was, like, don't run your heater or air conditioner. Jesus now, Christ. we actually are, like, in springtime, and that might be a little bit more realistic uh, in Houston right now. You know, like, today we had our doors open because it was kind of nice outside. It was, like, in the 70s and good day to not have to run the heater or the air conditioner. Uh, I don't but think you want a cold breeze running through the place either. <laughs> Shit. Not in Houston, certainly. Imagine if this happened in the middle of July. You can't just tell people in Houston, go inside your house and don't run the air conditioner. That's insane. That would, like, literally kill people. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's out of the frying pan into the fire if you're talking about children, the elderly, the disabled, people who, you can't sit in a house that's 95 degrees all day. I mean, this is the inevitable outcome of so many years of Republicans attacking the EPA and things like that and, you know, regulations to say like, hey, like, let's have safety precautions and let's make sure that if there is an accident that there's a plan in place that we know what to do. And they're saying, well, this is just killing jobs. You know, we need jobs above all else. Who cares how many toxic chemicals it spews into your community? Right. Jobs, jobs, jobs. And the Democrats just let it happen because they just said like, oh, you know, that's a fair fair point. You know, we like jobs too. So, okay, sure. And they just rolled over and, and just let it happen. And I'll tell you the most insidious thing, Brendan, the thing that's really driving me crazy is I've seen a lot of sentiment online that, you know, finally the EPA kind of came in, did some air testing. They flew a plane around a couple of times. They've been doing on the ground air testing, and they say there's no problem. 
And you have people looking at the EPA and going, the EPA has been gutted. Like, why should I trust them? And that's that was the actual end goal of like the Steve Bannon form of government that if you can't completely kill the agency, just get rid of the personnel until nobody trusts it anymore. And then you can just completely axe the thing. And I think we're at least this one disaster is a good indication that that strategy is working and it's terrifying to me. D Black, do you feel like uh, your state and local municipalities are are ready for the uh, ecological disasters? Uh, I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that seems to be pretty common. I think that's got to be a a break point. D's back with us and yeah, we're going to take a break, come back and talk about some of the stuff. I'm I'm furious. I got to go take a shot or something. <laughs> take a shot. <laughs> rain, rain on my face. Hasn't stopped raining for days. My world is a flood. But slowly I become one with the mud. But if I can swim after 40 days in my mind, is crushed by the So, uh, we're going to start off this hot, and we're going to talk about, uh, the, the weird setup for St. Louis's county and city, and the fact that the county and the city are separate entities. City doesn't grow, county, I think, grows sometimes, but for the most part, the city has an entirely separate government and taxes from the county. And, uh... Once again, it's which probably breaks down a uh, pretty, pretty egalitarian when it comes to uh, like who lives in the city and the county. Right. Oh, I would yes. assume that. Yes. Yeah. As uh, if they bring up on we live here a lot. It comes down to segregation. Yeah. So the city is has a high concentration of poverty and black people. And uh, basically every so few years, many few years, uh, there's an initiative to try to merge them back together, generally fought by some of the more affluent uh, municipalities and cities in St. Louis against, for reasons. Uh, yeah, are, are, are we using affluent and reasons as code for white here? Generally, yes, 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 we are. Okay. <laughs> so the... The surrounding, like, rich suburb communities want to absorb the city government? No, they want to be very adamant that the city doesn't become part of the county. Okay. Sure. So they're against the the merge. They want to keep the two separated. Yes. Yeah, shocking. And, okay. Uh, it's less it's less surrounded. It's uh there is there's about you could say four counties. Three counties in St. Louis. There is West County, North County, and South County. Now, North County is generally also much poorer, but West County and South County are the affluent areas. And uh, generally, the anything that involves either a tra- like transportation going from the city to the counties is blocked, or anything that would bring all the municipalities together is blocked, which is ridiculous because... As I had to go look up the numbers for this. There is at least one city. I mean, there's one road that goes through 90 cities, each with their own laws and police. And you just 
you had to learn to navigate that. Yeah, good lord, it sounds like Texas. I mean, you take a you know, highway one eighty three around here and you never know exactly what municipality you're sitting in or unincorporated area or whatever. Oh yeah, then we get into the unincorporated areas which are now like which don't get city names, they just become St. Louis, but you're not St. Louis City, you're just St. Louis. Sure. Uh, I believe there's a new one coming out better together. I don't have the numbers on it, and it it's one of those where this move like this movement might be the not the best, but it's also a good chance that since it's got the same talking points, it's probably just more biased towards not doing it than doing it. So, so what are the talking points? I mean, what's the Obviously, you've got activists on the ground trying to get this this merger to go through. What what's their argument for that? Uh, the argument is generally that it cuts down on this, like on the trying to navigate laws and courts and all kinds of things like that, where you end up with ended up you end up in situations where like you you have three warrants in three different cities, as such you go to three different jails. So you get bond, like you go to jail, <laughs> you get bonded out of that jail. Then the police from the next jail come pick you up. They make it, like, they make it, like you go through the whole process again. So you take clothes off, put on the uniform, sit in their jail. Someone bonds you out. Then you go, like you get bonded out, and you go to the next jail and do it all over again. Jesus Christ! It's like that episode of Atlanta. That is insane. Oh my god. Um. Yeah, that sounds like a a real cluster. And it's really funny, too, because normally, you know, people on the right are all about, like, that efficiency and, like, less government is is better. But I guess, you know, somehow you just throw some, like, racial boundaries into the equation and they start changing their tune. You know, and that's such bullshit, too, uh, because you will have conservatives, uh, Republicans usually, but conservatives generally saying that they actually favor, you know, less top down government until it comes to a city decides to enact like a non-discrimination policy or something. And then all of a sudden you've got all of these small government conservatives in the state house. Uh, and we've seen this in, in Texas, we've seen it in Nebraska. All of a sudden they're like, well, actually, you know, we, we need, we need uniform laws cause it's bad for business or whatever. Like, no, you, you don't care about small government. You just care about all of the small governments agree with you. As soon as they disagree with you, all of that goes out the window. Oh yeah, I mean, they're they're the kings of arguing in in bad faith, right? And just twisting, you know, whatever position. Like, well, I'm against you know presidents declaring unconstitutional fake emergencies, but right. maybe you know so if it benefits me, you know. And a, a great example is like how Trump always talks about like. Uh, you know, people who are like, this guy got, you know, run over by a drunk driver who happened to be Beto O'Rourke, an yeah. undocumented Beto O'Rourke. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this person's an undocumented immigrant and they're out here like murdering Americans like we need to build the wall to protect lives. 
And then it's like, well, what about this like school that sh- got shot up? Like, what should we do to protect the lives there? And it's like, mm, yeah. Well, you know, it's just the price of freedom. You just that you're just gonna have to live with it. Uh, well, absolutely. Like, but right. I thought it, one death from an illegal immigrant was enough that you could just throw away like international treaties and you know everything. It's crazy. Yeah. Did you all see the uh, the clip uh, just from the past couple of days where? I think Steve Bannon was giving a talk someplace and uh, some woman stood up and said, you know, I never thought that I'd be in favor of a dictator, but if there's going to be a dictator, I want it to be Donald J. Trump. Because <laughs> he's just I, so I, these, funny. Yeah. And they, these are the people who they'll fly the American flag and talk about the founding fathers and the Constitution until they're blue in the face. And yet. If society isn't going quite the way they want, immediately they're like, no, actually, like, dictator sounds good. Like, that's literally almost all dictatorships start. It's Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, Donald John Trump doesn't happen to have, like, a church sanctions... Uh, uh, well... You know, the, like, right of... Uh, whatever kind the, of. Divine, divine right of kings... It's called the Republican Party. I mean, that is their view, right? Is that, you know, God has ordained President Trump and all Republicans and all Christians generally to have their rightful dominion, you know, over this land. Sure. And if you don't like it, then you can, you know, get the fuck out. And that's well, hell, always we, been we, their position. We talked about that with uh, Max Barber last week about... How, you know, most of the support for Israel is not from American Jews. It's from these uh, premillennial dispensationalists, these right. people who, like, really think that there's a, you know, like, a, you know, a, a divinely ordained end of history. And it's going to come about by supporting the country of Israel. What needs to happen is that, you know, Democrats need to actually talk about this issue instead of kind of talking around this issue which issue which the, which well, issue just do you the, mean? the issue uh that republicans are doing racist shit because republicans are so good at twisting the racism argument to just say like well you look i'm not racist like trump you know was just recently saying like you know, I don't hate Muslims. You know, I love Muslims. Like I'm 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 doing all look at all this good stuff. Like, you know, Trump says, "How can I be racist when look at the African American unemployment rate?" You know, I can't be racist. And it's right. like if that if you allow them to define, you know, that that's what racism is, then there's no there's never any racism because racism is like only a thing that exists in a white person's mind and it's never anything that exists in reality. And if you allow them to define racism down to that point, then, you know, racism's cured because no one ever thinks a racist thought. They just happen to accidentally do racist things. And Dean, you must have a lot to talk about this in terms of, you know, the merger or not of St. Louis County with St. Louis City. I'm sure that you see a lot of arguments about uh, it's it's about the tax base or it's about uh, like local government or something. But I mean, I know that you must have strong opinions about what it's actually about. It's literally mostly about the keeping the segregation 
going. Because it's the same reason we can't do a Metrolink expansion in the West County. That would be too convenient yeah. for Negroes. Right. So, they might, well, they hey, might I, come I, up I there was, and shop. I was seeing some maps the other day. Uh, somebody made some dumbass point on Twitter about, you know, like, America doesn't know anything about segregation or something. And everybody just spammed them with, like, the maps of racial segregation in all of our major cities. And St. Louis is like, Jesus Christ, it's like number five or something. Oh, yeah. Because it's like uh, number one or two. It's amazing. It's tripled. It's not like there's just West County. It's if you go to counties, it is like block by block and like strips. Yeah, right. There is uh, there's the Del like this Delmar Road where if you go north of Delmar, highly concentrated black poverty, and if you go south of Delmar, it's Wash U, where you pay like a grand a park. And what happens yeah. is is that there's a bunch of row houses where parents buy their kids the row house next to the school and when their kid leaves they just sell it to the next family like buying a house to sell the next family so your kid doesn't have to walk to class but across the street (laughs) so just i mean like really extreme gentrification not just the idea that like the general culture of the neighborhood changes but in fact white people just keeping these things as like a sinister and handing it on to the next white family. Oh, uh, no, I haven't got to talk about the best thing, which is gated neighborhoods. Actually, yeah. no, not gated communities, it. gated streets, actual streets with gates on them. Oh, like the one that, uh, Nancy Pelosi lives on, by the way. <laughs> But no, like, these are everywhere in St. Louis, and it is constantly talked about because, like, if you talk about it to anyone who is outside of St. Louis, they go, what, what is that? I'm like, yeah, no, it's a street with a gate at it, and they close the gate. So, like, there's a, it's a street, yeah, it's basically like a block with a gate at the, at it with a wall. Who runs See, the gate? Curious. How do you, what, is there, like, you put in a pin code, or, like, how does it work? It is just Is a, there a dude sitting there pulling the lever? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, <laughs> It just exists. seriously curious about <laughs> seriously curious about the, seriously curious about the color of the person sitting inside the gatehouse because um, I I I'm almost gonna guarantee you that it's not like your next Brett Kavanaugh. Oh no, it's, it's a robot. Better, it, it's it's not. There's no gatehouse because it's just a gate at a street. It is a very specific street, and these gates exist because of the idea of like yeah, we're going to make it so that this neighborhood. It's just for white people, and we're going to literally build gates to keep people out. Yeah, but well, someone's got to operate the gate, though, and it may be a it may be a robot. I um, think it's just random no, people in the neighborhood. I don't know. They're either open. No, nobody ever said a robot can't be racist, though. Yeah, that's that's a that's a true statement. Yeah, I mean, I guess huh, that's such a that is crazy to me. Um, I mean, it gated community is is one thing because you're not like driving through like the freaking country club or whatever but yeah that is nuts that you just be you have to go around and they're like sorry you know residents only and it's like is this a street that's crazy i wasn't making a joke earlier when i said the thing about nancy pelosi she lives on a street in it's in san francisco right? oh okay where 
up until I want to say like the 1950s or something, they had a little street legal covenant that no black people could live on that street. Um, and it's still a gated street. Eventually, that got overturned because, obviously. Um, but Because of the damn liberals and their damn but laws. I don't think that there are probably a whole lot of black people living on Nancy Pelosi's street even to this day. Even though it's not, like, actually contractually illegal anymore. Um, and that's that's exactly the kind of thing that you're talking about, D. That you've got... Man, like... It's not just white flight. It's not this, uh, like, generalized economic movement of, like, white people don't want to be close to the impoverished black people because it drags down property values or our schools are worse or something. It's them explicitly saying, like, no, just literally no black people are ever going to live here. That's that's how it works because, like I said, Delmar is, like, the height of, like, of, like, of affluence and the lowest of, like, poverty at the same time. Yeah. You go across Del yeah, Mar, and, when you look at and it, like, the first street thing you see in the street is this giant concrete pipe circle thing, which basically just sits in the middle of the street, so you can't just go straight. You have to go around it for no other reason other than, I'm pretty sure, just <laughs> inconvenience black people. I think they say it slows down traffic, but, like, that, that's what speed bumps are for. <laughs> hey, r- roundabouts are cool, but I'm not okay with them uh, being employed to, uh, you know, perpetuate racial segregation. Oh no, they're not. They're not roundabouts. They're intersection streets. There's just a brick. Like there's just basically a circular it's just a brick, brick thing about height, like hip height, in the middle of the road. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when you just gotta drive up on the dude's yard, and uh, I was just, gonna just... say, yeah, they're they're afraid of they're afraid of Thugnificent from the Boondocks, like just driving up in a, a you know, like a, a Humvee or something. A monster truck. Yeah. No, no, those are the those are on the poor side. Once again, then you go like down the street from Del Mar, and it's a giant gate. That's it's wrought iron. It's green and old as hell, and it just exists. And there's like, there's a doorway next to it that you can go into the neighborhood, also gated. And like, it's a street, it's a through street, so you just can't go through it to the next street across, you have to go around it. Yeah. Well, I look forward to like, when all these gated communities and neighborhoods like, hire their own, like, TSA uh, that they have to get checked and they have to take their shoes off like every time they go to their own freaking house. Uh, so look forward to that, uh, insane white people. <laughs> you played yourself. I'm going to redirect just a little bit, uh, while we're on the topic of, uh, racial issues, uh, it might behoove us to check back in with the, uh, the various, uh, democratic primary candidates right now. Um, that's absolutely a thing that has been, uh, front and center, uh, in this debate, like who, like who gets the black people basically. Um, and I don't know, we got a, we got a black people on the show. Uh, I, I know he's not going to be offended with me asking him this question. This is what uh, we argue about all the time. I feel, I feel for the black people. Cause I feel like they, us white people have just a plethora of white. I wasn't talking to you, Brendan. I want to hear from D. <laughs> 
Alright, so, uh, let's see. Who are the candidates? It's, it's really hard. Yeah, let's see, because... uh, let's, let's say, uh, like, front and center, you've got, um, Beto, Biden, uh, let's say Klobuchar, Harris, uh, Warren, maybe Pete Buttigieg, maybe Howard Schultz. There, there's. It, it turns out that we're gonna end up with roughly 900 uh, milquetoast white men. So I'm not gonna try to name all of them. Uh, Booker, I guess, is still in the race, though he seems to be kind of fizzling. Oh no, way, man, he's blown up. All right, so we'll set off with the very easy knockoffables, which are of course people who signed. Oh, wait, like people who wrote the crime bill or people who campaigned <laughs> in the 90s on that crime bill. So Biden yeah. and Klobuchar, gone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, and, and Klobuchar, we've, we have made fun of her before. Like, her, her theory about why Trump won was because, like, your average working American doesn't have enough tax-advantaged savings accounts. Like, I don't see that ever really getting people to the polls. Well, let me know if this changes your mind. Uh, Cory Booker has said that uh, he will have a lavish White House wedding to Rosario Dawson if elected. Oh. Does that, does that draw you in? See. I forgot they were dating. Here's the problem. <laughs> if they get married, I can't be with Rosario Dawson. As such, this is this is against me. Backfire. <laughs> but Booker. the uh. the muddy water of Melissa like of Melissa Harris Perry is <laughs> all right all right uh, so no, we wait, did... I just messed it up it's uh, Kamala like Kamala Harris is that there is she has a terrible cereal record but all at the same time as a there's a small, let's say, not really small, but there's a large group of, mm, I don't know how to put this in more mainstream terms, ashy dudes who are like, no, we're just not voting for like, like, like Kamala Harris because of her carcero record. Now, Cory Booker, even though he's done some of the same similar things in the charter school things, it's better. Hmm. Just exactly as said by Tariq Nasheed. Yes, we all know. Top notch. Top notch man when it comes to equality for black women. <laughs> Just the best critic. Just none above. <laughs> so. Well, I mean, right. you didn't mention, Matt, you did not mention in your list of candidates the number one candidate, Bernie Sanders. I did. I, I think I said Sanders, didn't I? I don't think so. Maybe yeah, we'll have to run Maybe the tape back, but <laughs> no, I think it's that Biden, Sanders, Warren, uh, Harris. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to go back through the list, but um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, D, you you have voiced to me in the past uh, serious concerns about uh, Bernie Sanders and his. Uh, I, I, I think this is a bigger problem on the left than a lot of people on the left want to acknowledge a reduction to class issues rather than 
uh, focus or even possibly inclusion of race issues. Can you speak to that a little? All right. We can start off with a very simple one, which is talking about reparations. Which okay, there's oh, yeah. been like three. <laughs> there's been like three ways you can go about that. You can go about it where you kind of just ups, like obfuscate and try to use universal programs and say they're reparations, like uh, I believe Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris have done. I think. Well, I I think that's I think that's kind of the Sanders approach too, though. That he's like. It's not necessarily the best to like cut a cash check to every American descendant of a slave. It's better to like fix systems. Um, yeah, I, that, I was, was going to will... get to him. I was going to get to him. Then you have like <laughs> I think Julian Castro kind of gets there, which is no. This needs to be restorative. We need to have plans. Elizabeth Warren is trying to go that way now. Sure, but like the problem with Bernie Sanders was it was no like what. He got axed twice, and he like twice, and both times he goes, "Well, what is reparations?" Like, yeah, it's a <laughs> that's a good start. It's a simple <laughs> concept in and of itself. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know if is. Do you think it's a simple concept though? I, I think that I think it's a a question worth answering. Like, if you're talking about reparations, even if you're 100 percent in favor of the idea, shouldn't you be? I don't know. Maybe there there should probably be some specificity about exactly what you mean. Well, that by that's that. like get into details, but like reparations as the concept is the idea of restorative pro like restore affirmative action of restorative justice towards a bunch of the bad things that have happened to black folks over the years. A lot of people like when they right. think about it on the surface level, it's like it's cashing a check to slavery, but it doesn't include the anyway, the casting of the check for slavery doesn't include the year like the Jim Crow era redlining segre, like redlining and segregation which still exists today we were just talking about sure. the streets and we talk about the i mean talk about the the firebombing in Tulsa and firebombing in Tulsa the explicit like exclusion of black folks from the new deal and all right. this stuff like the idea is that much like affirmative action it's there needs to be affirmative actions to restore and reconcile these issues and like i'm i it doesn't have to be detailed but like half the problem is that bernie sanders talks about reparation like people like like liberals talk about medicare for all and i can't it doesn't make sense in my mind. Yeah, he he gets way too wonky about it instead of what I I think what I'm hearing from you is that what you would like to see is him say, "Yes, I'm 100% in favor." And here's how to do it or whatever. No, I think Insta- the the key the key ingredient uh that you're missing is that White people hate reparations, and when they hear the word reparations, they freak the f out. And I think Bernie is hyper aware of of that fact, right? Um, and so I agree with you that it is not great that he is not like full throatedly endorsing reparations, like full stop. 
But I think in in his mind, he's trying to play it both ways, right? Where he's like, look, I'm not going to come out as the reparations guy because that would make a lot of people really turn away from me because they don't understand it. So what he's trying to do is just say, hey, let's talk about just helping poor people. Ain't nobody opposed to that. And oh, by the way, that's how you do it. Because but if I know D, he's going to say that that's, that that's exactly the problem. That is the problem because if you're not paying attention to the systems of oppression that aren't classism when dealing with plans, you literally leave vulnerable people behind and even more vulnerable. It's like when we're talking about environmentalism and people try to bring up straw bans without ever actively thinking about how it actually affects disabled people. Yeah, you ever ever talk about the systemic problems of actually most of the environmental problems caused by like a bunch of giant like petroleum industry uh, players? Or when we like when we talk about Medicare for all, we don't bring up the fact that we also need to deal with the fact that Medicare, like you can't get like abortions or like birth control from Medicare. Right. Oh, wait, absolutely. Hold on one second. Oh no, he left. <laughs> like, <laughs> in the middle of this really good discussion. <laughs> <laughs> Mike dropped. But no, I think that's right. Let's just keep talking. So, um, no, I think that's totally right. Bernie Sanders could do a better job of doing the work of explain of of white splaining reparations to white people. Yeah, um, and to because if people understood the concept of reparations, like I think what what white people are opposed to is just cutting checks to black people for being black. And I don't think anybody on any side of the political spectrum thinks that that is an effective solution to anything. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't think that you can be super confident about that because well, that's a good a, point. I mean, it would, it's there, better than nothing, a, uh, but it's not fixing the systemic problems, right? That's the, yeah, there, there's the, the hashtag ADOS uh, who got really mad at Bernie Sanders about his position, or rather non-position, on reparations. But they seem like, or, or at least under that hashtag, you do see a lot of sentiment that really what you need to do is just cut a fucking check. Like, yeah, every black family in the country needs to be cut a check for about $100,000 or something like that. And... By and large, that would serve to address, uh, you know, the the wealth inequality that's that's built up between the races in this country since its inception. Um, and then you do see people say, like, maybe they're maybe that's not the way to do that. Maybe we need a, a more structural fix. Yeah. Well, again, I think the problem isn't that, you know, will that work or not? in the mechanics of it, because you're absolutely right. Part of the problem, a big part of the problem, is that because of decades of systematic oppression, a lot of people of color don't have the same access to resources, to generational wealth, to, oh yeah, my grandma died, and oh, then now we sell her house, and you know everybody gets a check for yeah, 15 just grand. White people, by and large, siphoned off a shitload of wealth from black people, by and large, and we need to make that right. Right. But the problem is, if you were to actually enact a system like that, 
Trump voters w- would probably literally like murder a lot of black people. I don't think that that is an unrealistic fear. <laughs> you know what I oh, mean? Oh, it's a very realistic fear. And Trump people are murdering a lot of black people anyway. Well, that is kind of true, but not, uh, not as I, yeah, I, I don't think it would help that situation. And that's sad that that's a, an argument against doing the right thing. But like, it is almost like the reality. Like, there are a lot of white people who would freak the F out if a form of reparations that wasn't sugarcoated for white people were actually enacted. I don't know. That's a good, I don't know that that's a good argument against it. Um, and D I think that you absolutely don't think that's a good argument. It's, it's not, but like the cut of the checks problem is, is that income isn't wealth. Yeah. Well, and we talked while you were gone, uh, sorry, uh, to bring you up to speed, uh, while you were gone, we talked about uh, the idea that reparations can't simply be like a cash infusion because that's not going to necessarily address the wealth gap. What we need to do is a a more holistic approach um, that addresses the systems that are in place that keep black people from being able to accumulate the kind of wealth that white people have in society. Yes, it's uh, like it has to be things like low interest, like home loans, things sure. that are not subprime land loans, no, too. land grants, things that are not subprime mortgages, uh, right? Community agreement, the like community benefits agreements, affordable housing, revitalization. Thing, like revitalization with those community agreements to mitigate or stop, like protect against gentrification. There, some kind of systemic fix to say payday lending, uh, which disproportionately preys on communities of color. Actual laws against redlining. Uh, there's a lot to go to it. It it seems complicated. Yeah, but like Medicare for all and. Free college tuition is also really complicated, but for some reason we're allowed to say, yeah, this is complicated, but we're going to work on it. But whenever it comes to things like reparations or any of the other stuff, it's it's just apparently too complicated. Well, I'd, I'd put it to you, D. Do you think that – do you think that we can only focus on – like the class-based, the broadly class-based policy solutions, say Medicare for all and free tuition, just take those as a policy package at the expense of also addressing uh, reparations. And even if that's the case, do Medicare for all and free tuition not also help to address the the same sort of societal problems that we're talking about reparations addressing. Well, no, because literally using free college tuition, free college tuition doesn't matter if your K through twelve experience is absolutely trash. Like if you don't deal with the abrupt disparities in like elementary through high school, the free college is just literally something you can see but you can't actually get to okay okay no, so absolutely. so as you're 
as as part of your reparations package, say your your preferred one, would it be? Would you redirect, like, say, a cash payment, part partial cash payment, to bolstering, say, like, black neighborhood schools or something? Yes, yeah, there would like it would be things like cutting, like, fixing the budget, uh, banning away, uh, forcing a standard of like a forcing a stand, like, fixing the budgets and basing those budgets off of a standard for what should be at a school, like. The, like, yeah. schools that are majority black generally have no like co- like, co- like school counselor, but they got a police officer. At least one. At least police one police officer. officer with a real live gun who can real live jail you. And does and, and does, does right <laughs> frequently right for things that you know at a white school even if there is a cop there what they do is they call your parents and they have a very serious meeting uh, about how they're going to help you <laughs> get better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely right. So, so D, I, I'm not trying to call you out, but I, I think that we've kind of gotten around to uh, a perspective on the idea of reparations that you kind of have to define what it means, right? And maybe it's a partial cash payment and maybe it's a more directed effort toward fixing some of these structural issues like – the problems in black schools or the problems with redlining. Would that be, I don't know, would that be satisfactory to you? Yes, but like the idea, like Elizabeth Warren, for all her things with Native Americans, and that's murky, we're not going to talk about that just right, right yeah, now. Right, that yeah, was, that was a bonehead move, but maybe we're moving beyond it. Yeah. It seems like nobody talks about it too much anymore. Uh, I know some, like, I think Native folks on Twitter don't still are kind of really shady on that, but... Understandable. Uh, like, she at least went, yeah, we're going to make an expert committee. We're going to actually come up with a plan. And that's like, that's like the bare minimum. Just like actively say, yeah, uh, yeah. we're going to come up with a plan that does restorative justice. No, that's, that's really solid. It's almost fully a problem of, of branding because Republicans have completely destroyed the concept of the term reparations to mean something that it doesn't even actually mean. And I think restorative justice is a more palatable term for it. So that's a a sad but true but true fact. So hopefully more people catch on to that one. Maybe that's a step forward. And like this is just base level and this is gonna piss off some ADOS people. But, like, this is just base level we're talking about. And reparations can't just be for slavery. It has to be for all of it. And it probably has to, uh, like, acknowledge all the other terrible things and atrocities America has dealt with and, I mean, has refused to deal with, like Japanese internship. And continues to commit and continues to refuse to deal with. I mean, this shit is still going on today. Like, reparations have to talk about Japanese internment and actually give more than just a cash check. And They also, actually did get a cash they check. They got a cash check, <laughs> but it didn't do anything because income and wealth aren't the same thing. Right. And also, while we're on the subject, just to make it simple, uh, anytime anyone says the words reparation and native folks, that's not correct. 
Native folks don't get reparations. Native folks get enforcement and treaties because they're a goddamn sovereign nation. Hell yeah. No, that's that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, it, trying to apply reparations to indigenous peoples in America makes it sound like we 100% beat them, which is not supposed to be the truth. But, like... What I'm saying is not a hard, a complicated concept. It's like it's a, it's a simple concept that you have to fix the things you caused, and that's about it. Like enforcing treaties and working to improve those treaties would effectively be kind of like reparations for natives. But no, it's the fact that they need to enforce these treaties and native. Wait, Native folks should have a sovereign nation and probably extradition laws. I'm just going to throw it out there. Probably need extradition laws. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I would love to see uh, like the Cherokee Nation be able to extradite Andrew Jackson's corpse. Like It's not even just Andrew Jackson's corpse. I'm talking like rapists and murderers who can go into like native lands, no, of do course. horrible things, and leave. And it's like, well... Technically, you can't get them in this court because it's not in our not jurisdiction, our, so yeah. we can't really do anything about it. Wasn't our fault, yeah. Jesus, Jesus. No, I want extradition well, law. That's pretty dark. I want, <laughs> I want people to be able to roll up in SWAT. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what Cherokee <laughs> yeah. SWAT would look like, but I they should be able it to. It would be it would be cooler looking than the current SWAT. I think. I can't wait to find or out. Or like Interpol. Yeah, uh, some uh, cyberpunk shit. <laughs> I hear Brendan trying to uh, signal that we need to take a break. Uh, so just as a last thought, as we're talking about uh, restoration, um, I think that we do need to talk about how Andrew Yang came out against circumcision. Uh, as apparently, like, that's one of the things he's going to make his cam- his campaign about. So Andrew Yang is a Very online dudes love it. And we're just... <laughs> Is that is that just him kind of playing to his uh, like Pepe like griper base or do you think he actually cares about it? I think he I think he cares about it, but I think he also knows that talking about it will get him a fuck ton of media attention because it's so bizarre. Can you imagine if uh, fucking Ilhan Omar had come out against circumcision and the like anti-Semitism debate that would have erupted from that? Oh, absolutely. Good yeah. Lord. Okay. Well, I didn't want to talk about that for very long. So let's, Tune in uh, next let's, week. Yeah, let's take a break there. We'll we'll come back. Uh, take it out on a high note. We'll, we'll try. We'll we'll try. We, we got a long way to climb. <laughs> so if, if one of these presidential candidates does not support, for example, reparations, mm-hmm. they don't get your support. You know. I thought about that, right? And I thought about that because everybody got mad at Bernie because Bernie said he... Because he, he didn't really give you a, a full-on answer. Yeah, but I, but I think what Bernie was saying is true. Bernie was like, what does that look like? And that's one thing. Like you said, it's buzzwords. Don't be just throwing the word around. Yeah, I support reparations. What does that mean, though? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? You know, like, what does that look like, Elizabeth Warren, to you? What does that look like, Kamala Harris, to you? What does that look like, you know, Bernie Sanders, to you? What does, it, what does that actually look like? So when I hear somebody say they don't support it, it, it it turns me off, and the only reason it turns me off is because they're not even they're not even supporting the idea of dismantling 
white supremacy because it's not really about reparations. It's just about America acknowledging the wrong that they did to a group of people and then trying to make it right. Well, it got it got pretty low there, uh, you guys. So it's American politics. It's always low. Well, we have some some climate to do in this high note segment where we try to find at least one positive thing for the week. So mine, you know, I don't know if this is low or high, but this was a, a pretty good headline that I saw recently. Judge blocks Wisconsin Republicans blatant power grab as illegal. Was this about them trying to take away all of the power from the judiciary? Oh, take take all the power from the governor. Right. So Scott Walker, after he was done looting Wisconsin and like saddling them with $11 billion in debt for a Foxconn factory that's going to employ 10 people, <laughs> decided like, oh, no, I'm not going to be governor and I'm not going to be able to steal money from the state anymore. But oh no, what if the Democrat does all of the horrible things that I did, but for Democrats? And so they voted to strip a bunch of powers from the incoming governor and from the incoming Democratic uh, attorney general as well. Of course, this went through through the courts. And then, you know, the judge finally did the final ruling in like the state Supreme Court. Yeah, this is completely illegal. Like, just just so blatant. So, you know, it's nice to see... Sometimes it does work out. Now, I think in like North Carolina, <laughs> so, so, sometimes the structures of democracy are still intact. Rarely. It's nice to celebrate it when it happens is what I'm saying. <laughs> also, Queer Eye Season 3 is really good. I don't know. Somebody else go. <laughs> All right, I'll go next then. I had a one, but apparently we talked about it already. So instead, I'm going to talk about I bought some clothes today. For like the first time in years. I Is think. it because of Queer Eye season three? Did it inspire you? Uh, yeah, no, it's it's because <laughs> it was that. Make sure you French tuck. And I'm attending my sister's wedding in a few weeks, and we're gonna be down at some fancy resort in Mexico. So I needed some, you know, fancy Mexico resort clothes. So I absolutely was in Tommy Bahama today. Um, uh, went to Bloomingdale's. I I got some really nice looking Beach Boys shirts and i'm pleased with them brendan seems to have a a problem with it here's what i'm saying have you considered ed hardy yeah well (laughs) i'm not really into screen print at this point so it's like ed hardy is sort of like a like a regular parrot head shirt except it's got like a screen printed tribal back tattoo on it or something (laughs) yeah not really not really my style yeah of a lion hello you're making it sound lame i'm going much more like 45 year old golf dad uh for this trip and frankly i think it all looks really nice so head to toe under armor (laughs) so that's my high note prompted by brendan who really seems to have a problem with my clothing choices yeah, maybe if you watch queer eye season three like i told you to uh you could pick up some <laughs> some tips they're Black, in kansas please. city it's pretty cool they're in kansas city i mean that's that's a place close by to where i am <laughs> d black please drag us out of this all right i guess on the high note is that us comes out tomorrow yes tomorrow's friday that's 20 seconds. Fuck yeah. Do you do you have your tickets yet? I'm going to see it at 3 o'clock tomorrow. That's the spookiest time. Well, <laughs> nobody else wants to go and see a scary movie with me, so I'm just going to go see it in the afternoon. It's the safest it. time to go see a scary movie. <laughs> I applaud your decision. No, uh, I think I'll probably be going Saturday, and I'll probably be at night, 
and I'll be with two other people. So uh, I'll probably still scream like a girl. It's, it's gonna happen. I'm well. I'm I'm wondering, you know, because uh, I loved Get Out, but Get Out as a horror movie is not really a like a scream in your seat sort of movie. It's it it felt really more like a like a Twilight Zone episode or something, like a really good Twilight Zone episode. But it's not like jump out of your seat scary. So I'm I'm curious about this one. I'm also curious, but I am pretty sure because I don't know you could turn Lunez into a horror song. Yeah. Do you think it can live up to uh, the the hype? I mean, created by Get Out. He's got a lot to live 100%. up to, man. I mean, can you imagine working under that kind of pressure? Holy Absolutely, one hundred percent. Lupita Nyong'o it doesn't have eyebrows in the movie, and I'm I'm terrified. Like her, that little hand thing still creeps me out. <laughs> Nobody isn't creeped out by a pair of scissors. <laughs> like the sound it's making, and I don't know. You could make I got five on it. K- terrifying, but he did. That was so good. Oh. <laughs> like if you didn't have enough strings and you slow it down fast enough, you could apparently make anything terrifying. Yep. <laughs> when I heard that, I, I literally don't know if I've ever heard I got five on it before, and. It just made me so sad of all of the sick jams that I missed out on. Because holy shit. Like, are they... That was so good. My perspective on Jordan Peele is that in the same way that every rapper is a good actor, because rap ends up being... Performative. It's yeah. an act. You have to be an actor in order to convincingly do rap. That's why so many rappers go over to acting. Anybody who's good at writing comedy must be good at writing horror because in the same way comedy relies on the unexpected and a thing that makes you in the moment uncomfortable and that's just a hair away from doing good horror that's why jordan peele's good at being a horror director a horror writer and a horror director the biggest difference like the actual difference between comedy and horror isn't timing it's that in horror there's no, oh, no, this is just fake. It's just, everyone's good. No, it's, no, this is real. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, you could, you could easily repurpose pretty much every humorous sketch ever and make it into a horror thing. It's just, nope, this is reality now. <laughs> it's like how uh, was every comic in Cyanide and Happiness is Depression Weeks are literally you just if you take out the last scene of almost <laughs> right. any other one it's that's the joke yep i agree man i i think that's a great high note that uh us comes out this week i'm gonna be terrified of lupita niago for a couple weeks that's just that's how it's gonna be <laughs> well but she's like a good guy in it too you can like the the good one and be afraid of the bad one how has this not already been a movie like what is this, like, already a thing? Like, oh, it's such an amazing concept. I'm super psyched. Well, it's kind of a Twilight Zone episode, uh, yeah. just like Get Out was. Uh, yeah, I think he did say he was inspired. He was inspired by an old Twilight Zone episode to make us. But, yeah, it's just a it's just a doppelganger. But, in this case, doppelgangers are absolutely terrifying. They set up Winston Duke as the dad guy. You ha- like I've seen very little of his other persona aside from blood and looking like he's probably just gonna murder me with his thumbs. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, as a like minor prediction, if the solution is that 
the normal family and the us family get together and they cancel each other out like matter and antimatter and that's the solution i'm going to be very disappointed like uh i want to go with the theory that in um, the twist that good lapita nyango is actually the doppelganger and they switched as kids oh because that's, that's like the best twist that could happen what about this though and though if at the end they're fighting each other and they're doppelgangers and one of them's like, oh, if I could only talk to my mom, Martha, about this. <laughs> and he's like, wait, you're, t- oh my gosh, I didn't, we have so much in common, you know? <laughs> you, you need to fly off to the top of this building and take care of that. <laughs> I think my, it could happen. My biggest problem is I don't want anyone in the family to die. I think you might be let down by that one because I think that's happening for sure. Because it's, it's got it's Lupita Yango in it, and I just love her. And Winston Duke is just a dad. This is this is going to be uh, possibly offensive to uh, our guest and most of our audience, but it's a horror movie that stars almost completely black people. Like a lot of them are going to die, right? Yes, but if I can figure out anything from the trailers, they don't die first. Okay. <laughs> all of their friends dead. That's all I could figure out. They're just dead. <laughs> Most of the Eastern Seaboard dead. <laughs> yeah. Well, high note achieved <laughs> right there. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> we did it again. But Winston Duke, dad joking it, possibly gonna live. Weird black kid being weird and black. Yeah, he's gonna live. We don't. We don't know. It's Jordan Peele. <laughs> Do you think Jordan Peele would write himself into a horror movie and not have himself get killed? Oh, no. Jordan Peele is definitely dying. <laughs> Audience, those are our predictions for us. Go see it, because it's a Jordan Peele movie, and it's bound to be fucking fantastic. Yeah, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if we were right or wrong. Don't spoil things. Don't, don't be that person. If you have something to say about the movie, at us, at liquid underscore final... D Black, our St. Louis senior correspondent. Gosh, it's so nice to have you back. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be back. It's been an education, man. Thanks for laying it down. Where can they find you online, D Black? Uh, I believe it's D Black underscore rabbit at Twitter. That's about it. I don't have very much like, communications on the internet anymore. I think that you have uh, really evolved because you used to say, don't at me. And this time it was just, oh, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, still don't. That. I mean, don't at us because I'll be, I'll become your best friend. If you at me, I will be your new best Twitter friend and you will regret your decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brendan, you've been getting added uh, a lot more recently. What's your, what's your at? At me, at Brendan Williams with one L. Yeah, I'm, I'm Matthew Hodges. I'm on Twitter at... Matt the Great with the W. Uh, I'm just about to get that blue check mark, so I'll be able to filter out people who are adding me, which I'll do as soon as I can, because most of my life is arguing with uh, libertarians in Notch's mentions. Oh, oh uh, my God! Things. We forgot the Devin Nunez cow, the greatest high dude, note of all. Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. Do it real quick. Bonus high note: Just go Google Devin Nunez cow, and you'll have a great time. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> we'll see you next week. All right, peace. <laughs>